Hi everyone, Clifford Machingaifa here. And this is Unajua, where we offer crowdsourced minimum actionable responses to important questions in 15 minutes or less. Welcome to part two of our three-part Web3-themed series featuring insights delivered by the Nairobi-based Kenyan blockchain enthusiast, data wrangler, and entrepreneur, Michael Kimani. Now, before we dive into the episode, a big thank you to the Cello Community Fund for getting behind African Tech Roundup's current season of blockchain-themed learning content. Over the next several months, you can look forward to more Unajua podcasts like this one. Exclusive interviews with innovators from Africa's blockchain scene, insight-filled written think pieces and op-eds by entrenched specialists and talented journalists, and even live interactive Twitter spaces where you can be part of the conversation. To make sure you don't miss a thing, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at African Roundup or search for African Tech Roundup on Facebook and LinkedIn and find and follow our profiles on there. And of course, if you'd like to learn more about Cello's mission to build a financial system that creates the conditions for prosperity for everyone, visit www.celo.org. And to apply for the Cello Community Fund grant, like the one making this podcast possible, head to www.celocommunityfund.org. On this podcast, Michael offers a brief introduction to decentralized autonomous organizations, commonly known as DAOs. He also shares a bit about the emerging trend of building internet businesses designed to share the commercial upside with users, explaining how internet entrepreneurs interested in building Web3 solutions would do well to lean into this dynamic. Yeah, so, so DAOs is a, is a super interesting concept. And, and DAOs aren't actually aren't too different from one of the most popular cultures in Kenya, charmers and social savings groups. So charmers are basically groups of people, could be 10, 20, uh, usually up to a certain limit of like 30 or 40, who get together with a shared governance structure and some shared goals and objectives. And they decide we're going to invest our time, our energy, our money, our resources into executing this specific goal. And the way these charmers govern themselves is through group consensus. So nothing happens in these groups without some form of voting going on and uh, maybe a certain threshold of how that vote affects an outcome from the group. So it's not about the individual, it's about groups. And in the African context, we've seen a lot of these groups usually form in, in certain contexts like in the transport industry, where people form groups based on a shared uh, practice. Uh, we've also seen this in trade. We've seen this in, in churches. So there's always some context around it. So DAOs are no different. I think DAOs are the online version of this. So that's one. It's people who have some shared values and some shared interests being able to come together and come up with some rules and some governance rules and some goals and the way they arrive at decisions. And then sometimes people have to put in their resources. So it's like an online version of communities or people with shared interests aggregating. With these new kinds of Web3 technologies, like let's say crypto or maybe blockchains, you can have a means for people to congregate together online and make contributions of capital into projects and use some capabilities of the blockchain like transparency to keep track of the distribution of such funds 
to a shared project, you know? So those are really virtual communities that are coming up or have always existed because of the time that we spend on online and the interactions we have with people who are of similar minds. And we are just beginning to scratch the surface with the tools that we have to turn these shared beliefs and these shared goals into concrete projects that can impact the real world. You can imagine right now, actually some of the blockchain networks that exist today, like Ethereum, these are literally people who've taken out real money in their real world and put it into tokens and participating in the active governance of a project to become the next infrastructure layer for building crypto financial services. So really, that's an example of an organization that exists right now and has significant influence on the world, has already, it's actually already influenced the world. And it's not a company running out of Switzerland or out of Nairobi or somewhere. It's literally people who just came together from different parts of the world and decided to participate in a token that came with some rights in a project. So this is the DAOs, and you can imagine this can exist in different ways. So right now, the most popular form is through the blockchain networks, but it can also exist in a community of artists. A community of artists could be a community of journalists. Uh, it could be a community of creators online. And now suddenly they can structure themselves and have the tools to take shape of their own platforms. So if they feel that some of the platforms, if it's journalists feel like some of the platforms are censoring some things that the world should see, then all of a sudden they have the Web3 infrastructure to be able to build a platform that someone like the government cannot come and censor because it doesn't like what these journalists are printing, you see. So you can see how the political nature of the infrastructure layer affects even how journalists can participate in creating news and breaking out stories. So it does matter. This infrastructure matters. And then being able to get such journalists into a community that can also pursue their own shared ambitions, such as censorship freedom, then becomes even more powerful, you see. And then it just plays out such that if such a DAO succeeds, then 10 years from now, you could see a story where a DAO of journalists was able to influence real-world politics by just being able to self-coordinate and govern themselves. So this is like some of the Web3 potential around DAOs that I find most exciting. I think it's really powerful. I think it's going to transform the world. It's just super early days, but it really boils down to we're spending more time on the internet. We have more interest on the internet. We are connecting with other people. And now we're just taking it a notch higher and saying, okay, now we can do all that, but we can also come together and build projects. And in the context of Africa, I think it's really embedded in our cultures as well. So it might surprise us how things like DAOs emerge in the African context. It may not necessarily be the way they've been envisioned in Europe or in the West or in China. It could be some contextual DAOs emerge from our market. I don't know how that looks like. I'm yet to see any, uh, but I can see people are trying to build communities around, let's say, an influencer or a, or a celebrity like Davido, uh, but still a lot of experimenting. I think for me, one takeaway that I'm really picking up from Web3 is the user has more power and voice. So that really changes how we approach building things, how we pitch to potential users. For example, when, when I first joined Facebook, the way that happened was uh, someone would just would send you a link and invite you, you know, and Maybe if you liked Facebook enough, you would 
decide to join it and start using it. And then Facebook ended up becoming a multi-billion dollar business. But what happened to all the people who sent out their friend invites? Like all the people who helped Facebook in recruiting people. You know what? They never got to share a piece of that. They never got paid for that. Yet Mark Zuckerberg made (laughs) billions of dollars from the efforts of others. So I think one of the characteristics about Web3 is fixing such imbalances where the users who help you grow your network, the users who bring value to your network, they deserve a piece of your success, you know, because your success is built on them. So I think entrepreneurs need to think a lot more about the user, you know, how can we serve the user? How can we make the user part of our strategy? Can the governance of our strategy be influenced by our users? Can users reap the rewards of our business model. Is there a way we can have a business model where we win and our users win? And I think the crypto peer-to-peer marketplaces uh, have shown us an example of that. I think another example is uh, decentralized exchanges like uh, Uniswap, where the holders of the tokens of a product get rewarded from the profits of the product. I think in Africa, peer-to-peer markets have really embraced this ethos of working with the users and rewarding the users and the users as your partners, not as people you take from, it's people you share with. And and these markets, right now, they've employed over 100,000 vendors across Africa. They're creating job opportunities for these young people as market makers. Local Bitcoins and Paxu, local cryptos and Binance peer-to-peer, these are great examples of rebuilding financial services while including the users as a participant who can benefit commercially. Traditionally, setting up a forex business is a complex affair. You need millions in Kenya, for example, to get a license. But in this new Web3 economy, kinda anyone with a mobile phone and a mobile money account and some capital can can become quite literally a quote-unquote FX dealer on a market for airtime and tokens, you know. I think if you're an African founder in this space, you're the first one out the gate. So you're kind of taking all the risk. And I'm one of those entrepreneurs. So these are fairly new technology. The venture space in Africa isn't that old. The tech startup ecosystem. So we are all kind of trying this as we go all at once. You can imagine there's a the bigger Web3 trend going on globally. And we are kind of trying to apply that and, and find commercial opportunities within the context of Africa. So we are the brave souls that have to figure this out. So I'm also an entrepreneur like all the other Web3 entrepreneurs, and I wouldn't claim to know everything. But some of the lessons that I'm picking up, uh, I like to think of it as a stack. So there's millions of young people in Africa right now between, say, the age of 18 and the age of 30. And there's more millions of them coming. A lot of them are on... Uh, mobile phones. They have access to airtime. Uh, they have access to mobile money accounts. Some of them have access to smartphones and Android and, and, and access to internet. They have time on their hands. There's no jobs in the real economy, or at least not enough. These people are always looking for a side hustle. Uh, they have capital, sometimes small amounts of capital, but they still have the same hunger as someone with a large amount of capital. And uh, if you think about that segment of users, the characteristics I, I've described, I think there's a lot of Web3 things that are emerging right now and look visible in the next 12 to 24 months, such as play-to-earn gaming or uh, peer-to-peer markets like crypto and market making. 
And then there's the micro-task economy as well that's emerging. And I think if you combine what the, the characteristics I just described of an African persona and that economy, then I think there's a perfect match there. And for me, that's the bet I'm placing. I'm placing a bet on opportunities that can add real dollars into the pockets of millions of young Africans with access to mobile phones, airtime and mobile money and the internet. So if, I believe if you can put more dollars into their pockets, they're going to give you attention. They're going to listen to your value proposition. So that's the bet I'm taking. And that would be my advice to another entrepreneur thinking about what they can do in this space. On the next installment of this Unajua series, Michael Kimani will draw on his live industry experience to offer examples of noteworthy Web3 plays in Africa and share which trends he's backing with his own time, effort, and money. That's coming up next week. But in the meantime, this is where you get involved. Click on the Unajua link in the show notes wherever you're listening or on click here on the microphone icon on the right of your screen. If you're listening from the africantechroundup.com website to leave us a 60-second voice note reacting to this episode. Or you can tweet us using the hashtag Unajua series or leave us a DM at African Roundup. That said, we'd especially love it if you left us a voice note though so that we can scale your views on a future podcast. All right, that's it for now. Till next time, take it easy, Africa.